Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello. 
Hey Griefsters, I hope you're doing okay and you have not melted into a pool of sweat and regrets uh, if you're listening in England because it is so hot. It is so hot. Every single conversation begins with the words, it's so hot. And I think that's fine because it is so hot, it needs saying. Um, just remember it will get cold again one day. The memories can be this can be helpful sometimes thank you for listening as ever if you have been enjoying the show please do rate and review it on itunes wherever where else you can do your rating and your reviewing i think it's just itunes um i know everybody asks you to do that but it is because it genuinely helps other people find the show and also with this show it's quite nice that people can go oh it's not as depressing as it sounds it's actually quite cheery and do subscribe as well uh, so you don't ever miss an episode of said cheery chats about death just to remind you as well, we have a live show coming up at the London Podcast Festival on the 15th of September, where I will be joined by No Such Things a Fish host and QIL for Andrew Hunter-Murray and Throwing Shade and Feminasty author Erin Gibson. Tickets are available now, so head to the King's Place website for more details. This week I'm talking to stand-up comedian Susie Ruffle. Susie is a brilliant comedian who had an amazing Edinburgh last year with her show Common. Um, Since then she's been on Mock the Week, Comedy Central at the Comedy Store and as she will hear in this episode, she's just released her own stand-up special on the BBC iPlayer. Do check it out, it's just absolutely brilliant, really, really funny. Susie came in to talk to me about her nan who died in 2017. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with stand-up comedian Susie Ruffle. Hello. Hello. I saw some very exciting news on your Instagram today. I've got a cat, you're right, <laughs> and she's beautiful. You are worth following for the, the cat oh, alone. Such a good cat. You've got a BBC comedy special. I do. I have a stand-up special that, that came so out. Exciting. Um, that, that came out this morning. It's on so iPlayer. It came out this morning. Yeah. <gasps> That's so exciting, Susie. Yeah. So it's on the iPlayer and it goes on BBC Worldwide, and then it's got a a, a repeat, a late night repeat on BBC One. Wow. Yeah, which is really cool. My God, your own stand-up on BBC One, that's amazing. Yeah. 11 o'clock, August 1st. Um, but, <laughs> I yeah. feel like I feel like it's a good time for stand-up. Like, obviously, I'm not a stand-up, but I feel, I love what, I've always loved watching it. And I feel like there's so much, like, I feel I can access a lot more stand-up than I used to. Yeah, I to. guess so. It's quite an exciting time. I think it's because there's so many brilliant people. Yeah. And there's so many brilliant women, which I think makes oh, it really exciting. That is, that is incredibly exciting. Which I just love. But there's also this feel like, I don't know, and I know people like, obviously watching live comedy is really important, but like you say, you have a kid. Totally, <laughs> like, yeah. Having access to Netflix and iPlayer, and I've just been like eating my way through comedy yeah. specials. And it's the same so for like... Nice. It's different, but I think if you're like slightly more sort of, if you're not in like a big city or if you don't yes, live somewhere, yeah, yeah. and certainly like with my stand up, part of the reason that I'm really excited about um, it going out is that I think there's probably quite a lot of queer people who might not get yeah. out to comedy or might not live somewhere where there is comedy and be like, oh, here's someone that's yeah, got yeah. a life that's a bit like mine. Or awesome. even the life that I want to have. Yeah, totally. Or if they're like young and they don't know yeah, and they don't yeah. have, they haven't found like their little tribe yet. That's the amazing um, power of the internet. It is, yeah. I mean, th- there's bad things too, They're, sure. Sure, sure. But, but I think I, maybe my yeah. comedy special... It's going to change the world. Hey, listen, I'm not saying the world, but maybe three well, or four just, lesbians in the Lake District. And if that happens, I'll be a very happy lady. This is a shout-out to Penny, Jessica. <laughs> I'm just And guessing. the two Sharons. And the two Sharons. <laughs> in the Lake District. In the Lake District. Susie's here for you. Guys. Follow her on Instagram. Slide her See in the again. Slid into the deems. And then maybe offer her a cottage to stay in, and then that's going to work. Lovely. But like, don't come around too much when she's in the cottage. No, that might be weird. That's but weird. like, 
if you've got homemade jam, sure. I'm oh in. my god, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, just for, I really I guess because when I was younger, I used to, you know we I think we're similar age. Mm. I'm older, I think, and you'd have to. Like, I mean, for like a couple of years, <laughs> I think we're fine. You can tell the couple of wrinkles. Um, I mean, I think that's I a child. Like, <laughs> that is the child. That's definitely the child. But like scouring our four channels, and I yeah. remember catching uh, Dylan Moran doing stand-up on Channel 4 yeah. and being like, who's this? And Lee Evans as well. And yeah. being like, oh my God. And you'd be like, right, don't move because yeah. I, like, it's on now. I can't do anything. This is comedy. And then you'd watch it and like two other people watched it at school yeah. or something. And that was so exciting. I remember watching um, Live from the Comedy Store and Ed Byrne was on it. <gasps> yeah. And he had that routine about um, Alanis Morissette and how the, yes. it's not ironic. Yes, it's I just bad luck. That. I remember watching it with my dad and me and my dad really laughing and me having this moment of being like, oh, Comedy really connects people. Like, yeah. comedy really... Me and my dad... Like, I'm a grown-up. Yeah, yeah, I'm laughing yeah. with my dad about the same thing. Oh, my God. That that ironic routine was really good, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, really good. It, I thought it was, like, the first time someone had pointed out something about, like, a song like yeah. I, that I knew. That they'd yeah. Like, yeah, it is stupid. <laughs> Although I, but also, I love... Also, I love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing her on Saturday. Very excited. Yeah, she's playing a comedy... F- no, she's not playing a comedy festival. She's playing a music festival that I'm doing comedy at. She's doing a tight turn. She's doing a tight turn, and oh, it's not that. ironic. Oh, amazing. Can't wait. So, you're an amazing comedian, very successful stand-up, and brilliant oh, stand-up. Nice. Um, but who are we remembering today? Uh, we're going to talk about my nan. Your nan. Can I say straight away, I love a nan. Oh. I didn't have a nan. I had right. a grandmother. Right. So I got jealous of people who had nans. Yeah, my nan didn't want to be called granny because she's, it made her feel old. I, I'm already in love. Uh, she was... <laughs> Nearly 95 when she died. Still don't want to be granny. So what was her name? Her name was Joan Wells. Joan um, Wells. That's, a, that's very glamorous. She, she, was, she was amazing. Yeah. It was Joan Elmer. Oh, that, was her, um, that was her name before she was married. And she was born in 1921. Wow. In Portsmouth, where I grew up. Oh, my God. So were you very close to her growing up? Yeah, always. So my grandfather died when I was about seven. And I had a very normal response to it. Uh, what happened is my, my granddad died, Grandpa. And the night that he died, I was staying around Katie Barrow's house. Because you know how people that you went to school with yeah, always have surnames. Her names, yeah. Um, I was staying around Katie Barrow's house, and I just decided that the reason that my grand had died was because I was staying out of the house. Sure, because you're, you're seven, nothing makes sense, so you decide, here's my logic. Yeah. I'm with you, I did the So same thing. then I wouldn't sleep in a house that my mum wasn't in for eight years. Great. Very sure. normal response. <laughs> Very normal response. Very yeah. normal. Sort of like 14 years old, had to leave the sleepovers and all that Aww, sort of thing. And my nan, like, we were always super close to my nan and my gramps, but I think when my gramps died, nan started coming around for dinner, um, like, all the time. Yeah. Uh, like, a few times a week. She'd come over for Sunday lunch. And I developed a really close relationship with her from really early on. I was always really... I don't know, I... I'm sure a lot of people feel like this, but I sort of felt like there was like a special connection yeah, yeah. between us. And um, she, her house was right near my school. And so oh. often I'd pop round, like when I was sort of early teenager, I'd pop round to her little flat. Oh, that uh, does sound so nice. It was lovely. She was amazing. She I, was really lovely. I think there's, a, um, there's an underappreciation of, this is a really big sentence, it doesn't need to be, but there's an underappreciation of people who occur in your life daily and add to the normalcy and how important that is. So if a yeah. grandparent comes around for dinner, yeah, like they become so much more part of the family than someone who like you see once every six months and it's quite formal and oh, you know, yeah, like that. totally. Yeah, that she makes... was um yeah, she was just like, you know, like another parent in a way. Yeah. She was like, you know, really often there. And um she was great. She had like stories about the war. 
Brilliant. What happened to her in the war? Was she like... So Portsmouth was really heavily bombed. Yeah, yeah. My grandfather was in the... Um, so he was in a thing called the 698 Boys, which was a engineering part of the um, of the army. Basically, they needed loads of builders to blow up things. Wow. So basically, the British troops would get across, and before the Germans got across, they would have to like blow up the bridges, or like you know, so they didn't know which way oh we were God, going. So he was in the North African campaign, and he was all over the world, and um, a lot spent a lot of time in France. Was in Dunkirk. And swam and just got into a fishing boat. Wow. And, yeah, and he, they wrote to each other, but he could never say where he was. Oh, my God. So he'd God. be like, I'm in France, just, like, really vague. Yeah. And so she still had all of his letters. Wow. And, like, these little cards with his photograph on that said, like, love you always, love Jack. Oh. And, um, Jack and Joan. Jack and Joan, oh. yeah, I know. And so they were, <laughs> um, and I think there's, I don't know, I think we live in a time at the moment it's again a huge sweeping generalization but we're also like obsessed with like i don't know like people i'm not but people are so obsessed with like the kardashians or with people that have everything and with this idea of like extreme wealth being everything and extreme beauty being everything and they sort of had quite a simple life and i think once he got back from the war they were just he was away for six years and they got married during that time he 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 absconded for a day he and um, got back to his went to see my nan when he was in the UK. He just like jumped over the barrack wall. Oh my god! And uh, went and saw my nan because my nan had tonsillitis oh. and uh, went and saw her. And then he went back and he got court martialed. And they said, "Where have you been, Jack?" And uh, well, he was called John, but you know how people yeah, in the olden sure. days just change their name. Just change the name for the hell of it. <laughs> so John Wells, where have you been? And he said, I went to see my girlfriend, she's got tonsillitis. And he said, well, I don't know what to do with you. And he said, well, you give me a day off so I can marry her. And they did. Oh, and so then we got married. So he oh got my m- gosh. <laughs> no, so he got married in his uniform. And they just had a day. And they had sandwiches. My, my great-grandmother owned a pub. So they went and got married in the church down the road, then had sandwiches in the pub, and then he had to go back. Wow. And It's th- unimaginable to us, to yeah. our generation, isn't it, that that would happen? Yeah, like just it, a really small wedding. Like just... if we had a friend who was like, oh, yeah, they got married in the day and then he's gone back, like, you'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. And then they wrote to each other for six years. Wow. Very, and just hoped for a time when... He'd come back. He'd come back. And, like, you know, Portsmouth was really heavily bombed. A lot of people were killed because it's a naval port. Yeah. And so, like, there was an air raid shelter in my great-grandmother's pub. So wow. They would just try and fit as many people as possible. So when the woo 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 went off, they would everyone would just run to my great grandmother's pub and um, hide. And so and sometimes they would come out and like half the street would be gone, and they'd be like, "Oh, did you hear about Commercial Road? They've, yeah, my God, they've lost five shops." Wow. And and it was just very became very normal for people to just just I think losing people became yeah. well death was so much more present yeah like, I think so. so much more present and I think they felt like a, super lucky that you know like none of my grandparents siblings died during the war one of them lost an eye and he would then take out his false eye and put it on the mantelpiece <laughs> and say keeping an eye on you I went for a wee while we were kids <laughs> which was uh, equal parts hilarious terrifying um but if you've got a glass eye and you're not doing that joke what's wrong with it yeah, like, I mean, come on guys come on that's up your game it's calling for it um <laughs> wow so they were lucky in a way like yeah and i think they would and then they had a very normal life he yeah. was a builder she worked in a corset factory wow and that was their lives they had yeah. three children they felt like they were very lucky because they had three healthy girls and 
they had a very normal life that I guess by some standards people would be like, oh well, it's boring. But yeah. it, but it's it was not. It was lovely and it was theirs. And they you know spent their whole life trying to own their house and eventually they did. And it was a little too up, too down and. But it's like you said, because I think we forget the joy of normalcy. And when you're a kid and, like, your nan comes around all the time, I like, that's, there's a real joy in that. that I think as yeah. adults it's easy to forget of, like, oh, well, you know, what kids need excitement or we should do this or what are they, what are we aiming for all the yeah. time rather than, like, memories. Like, yeah, my grandparents would come around, like, every Sunday. Mm. And that's like one of my fondest memories is my yeah. grandpa coming around and just talking to me. Oh, yeah. But I've listened to the podcast a lot. Your grandpa sounds amazing. My grandpa was a bit of a character. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a character, yeah. And, like, he was totally my hero. Like, yeah. I really did think he'd been all over the world. He had all these stories. And it was just like, yeah, you know, when you're growing so up much, in the suburbs, it just seems that's like, That's such a wow. better hero yeah, than yeah. someone that's on Instagram yeah posing so was your nan your hero i think so in many respects yeah so she obviously lived out the war then she became a widow but she i I found that she was very brave and i always thought she was super stoic yeah and she you know she would miss my gramps of course she would but she would just get on and i think that's very much her generation yeah that sort of make do amend you carry on um I mean, not really linked, but sort of. But, like, I've just recently watched The Crown. And I have I was really thinking a lot about that sort of yeah. generation of, like, just carrying on. Yeah. And the fact that the Queen comes off as, like, sort of quite cold now. You sort of understand it because she comes from an era that is, like, oh, so... God, yeah. Like, and so, so my nan had that real stoicism that I loved and um, that I, I felt enormously proud of her. And she always... She dressed really well. She wore like love, love a glamorous nun. Well, yeah, but like not even glam. She'd wear like a suit. Oh my! Ooh, or like nice. you know, her. I mean, I wear suits a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she'd have like a nice brooch, maybe some pearls. Oh, lush. Just lovely. Just, yeah, I, I like a cameo brooch. Oh, you know those? I'll eat yeah. that up. My grandmother, who was um, quite um, yeah interesting, but she was so glamorous. Really, that's one thing that like yeah, like everything was high quality and match and the jewellery like yeah, yeah like a was, little twin set yeah twin set that matched the you know the cashmere cardigan and the like and she would all, like even up to her 80s she was getting her hair done and stuff oh yeah. my mom in her 90s she was like yeah. having a perm and that's one of the worst things when she went into the home and she was not with it I mean she lived to 100 and was really would she have Alzheimer's in the end I know, Don't know. It, was, it was just kind of old she just sort of what's the word like, dementia bit- is oh my god she just kind of got old. It wasn't Alzheimer's. She just lost her faculties, really. Yeah. And oh, she wasn't so as glamorous. And you could see, like, I'd go and see her and i think, oh, she'd be so pissed off that no one's done her hair. Yeah. She'd be so, so pissed off about it. But then, obviously, she was extremely ill and it was like, well, okay, what's happening? Yeah. So your nan, how old was she when she died? She was, um, she died in the May and in the July she would have been 95. Wow. So she was... She was getting on. Yeah. And was she still... Was she in <laughs> she her She was still completely complimented. She was in her own home. Wow. Yeah. So it was her body that gave up, not her mind. Oh. So what happened? How did she die? So about 25 years ago, she had stomach cancer. Wow. And she was never um, sort of, you know, she was about maybe like a size 14, 16 yeah. all of her life. And then all of a sudden she was a size 8 because wow. they took out... Um, she only had like 20% of her stomach left oh because gosh. it was all cancerous. So, but they, the doctor got it so quickly that she never had to have chemo. Oh. 
Oh my god, that's amazing! So they they just took it all out, and then she had like quite a long recovery. The very sad thing was is that my grandfather nursed her through her illness. As soon as she sort of got the all clear, he had throat cancer. Then she nursed him, and he passed away. And I think that was part of the reason that she became very. She was always, I think, I think she always dressed very nicely, but she was so aware of how thin she was. She was like, oh, no one can see my clavicles, no one can see my neck. Because I look, so she would say like, "Oh, Susie, I look terrible. Oh, God, oh, I look terrible. Too yeah, gaunt, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh God, don't look like you know. Oh, I kind of my arm showing. I kind of this. I kind of that. Because she was, you know, she was very frail. Wow. No, she wasn't. Frail's the wrong word. She was just very thin. Yeah, yeah. And her skin would mark really easily as she got older. Yeah. So towards the end, it was sort of a couple of years of us being like, "Oh God, is this it?" And then her being like, "No." And then her being completely fine. Wow. She only walked with a stick in the last year of her life before that and completely upright. Oh my God. Never, never bent over. And like all of her, she was one of nine. Whoa. And she was the second eldest, maybe third. She, kept, she, she, was, she was one of the older ones in the older three. And, but, she, but she only had one sibling left. They'd all passed away, everyone. And she just sort of lived for us and me and my brother and my cousin and her little boy. And um, had her daughters, and we spent an awful lot of time with her. And we would always go to her house, and we would always, uh, and she would always come to my mum's. And even she would even come up to London until two years ago, like well into her nineties. She'd get wow. on the train with mum. So she yeah. saw you doing stand up. She never saw me. She, talk, oh. she saw me. She saw me doing. She saw me on, online doing stuff. Oh, okay. What did she and, think about that? Yeah, she was. She was. Like, she sort of loved it. Yeah. I think she was a bit like, oh, don't swear. <laughs> but, which is totally fine. Um, but, yeah, she was, she was like, I remember her coming. I've only lived in the place that I live in for two years. And I know that she came there because it's up two flights of stairs and there's no elevator. And I was like, walking up with her really slowly. And I went, oh, Nan, this is a really big ask, getting you up these stairs. And she was like, I'm coming to see your flat. Aww. I want to see where you live. Aww. And then she came up and we, I went and got us fish and chips and we oh. were just sat in my flat and had fish and chips and then they went back home on the train. Um, but yeah, and I, you know, it was always a huge fear for me coming out to her. She was the last person that I told. Oh, really? Um, that I was gay. Yeah, because I was really, you know, it's that thing of like being from a different generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of people in the, the family that are, that are, that are gay, we assume, or that, you know, that have sort of friends that they've lived with, one in particular. And I think we all sort of know he's gay and everyone, but no one no one talks about it as upfrontly as that. Right. But everyone was always fine with it. Yeah. And everyone would always be very pleasant to who we assume is his partner. His friend. His friend. But yeah, I was, I came out when I was 21 and it took me until I was about 28 to tell her. Wow. 27, 28, yeah. What do you think you were afraid of? I was afraid of, um, I loved her so much. Mm. I was so, oh, I just loved the bones of her. I just thought she was brilliant and I always wanted to hear what she had to say and I really miss not being able to ring her. I used to ring her twice a week and I really miss that. And I was just really worried that I'd lose that special, I always felt like we had this special thing and I felt like we both knew it. Yeah. And I was really worried that if I told her, she would... She would change how she felt about me, or that she'd think that there was something wrong with it. In the end, my auntie told her because my mum's, mine and mum's relationship's always been great. But I think it was 
My mum found it very difficult, my nan not knowing, and I think my mum found it harder to sort of process having a gay child mm. because of that, because it felt like a secret. And whenever yeah. there's a secret, there's an element of shame. Yeah, and then I guess she couldn't talk to her mum about it. Precisely, so and they, have, so. they were very, very close yeah. as well. And then eventually my auntie was just like, right, my auntie who I'm enormously close to as well, I'm very lucky, I've got some brilliant people in my family, and just rang my nan and went, right, the reason that Anne, that's my mum's being, been funny, and the reason that Susie, her and Susie's relationship's a bit weird at the moment is because Susie's gay. Don't be difficult about it. <laughs> She's already had to deal with it herself. So Nan just rang me and went, your aunt Jackie's told me. Don't worry, I love you just as much as I did yesterday. And that was it. That's all we... She met sort of... She's met sort of exes um, wow. when we were still together. I didn't parade them in once we'd broken up. <laughs> um, and this one is the one who hurt me, Nan. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And she was always very warm and lovely to them. Um, one of them, she even said, you can call me Nan if you want, which wow. was huge for me. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was enormously lucky that she was, that she just, I think that she'd sinned so much that she was like, I don't get that you're gay. Did she talk to you about it again or was it just like not even worth? She knew. Yeah, there was, was nothing like, to talk about really. Yeah, yeah. Once you're out, yes, for you? me... Yeah. It wasn't really much, because it was never like, oh, am I, aren't I? It was always like, oh, I definitely am this. Yeah, yeah. And it was just more everybody else being, because I'd known since I was like 14. Wow. So I'd had a long time to process yeah, it, yeah, being I'm, 21. Guys, I'm done. Yeah, like, I, I know. Yeah, and yeah. I, and also, like, I process it, stuff on stage, like, different yeah. homophobia and stuff. I talk about that very openly on stage. So I didn't, there was nothing really that I needed to talk to her about, just that, I knew that she knew and I knew that she still loved me and it yeah, didn't matter to her, which was huge yeah, for God. me. And that is incredible for a woman of her generation. Yeah, it just it was never a thing. Because it, I, and I don't, maybe I don't know if this is true, I'm speaking as an ignorant person here, but I wonder if there was, there seems to be this thing in queer history of people being aware of men being gay. Yeah. And the language about that and all, you know, we know what he is, but women being gay seems to be much more like, you know, the famous thing of like, Queen Victoria. Victoria claiming they didn't even exist. Yeah. So I wonder if that was, if if you are that generation, like, would you have even known some yeah, a woman think, who was gay? Like, yeah, I think that's I think that's really true, and I think that also, as a gay woman, I think you know, like you know, I think a lot of men, um, you know, went to prison and had sort of terrible, yeah, yeah. Um, awful, awful times. But I think, unfortunately, for a lot of women, they probably just were in very sad marriages. Yeah. Yeah. Because they didn't have the means to be able to leave where they were from yeah. they didn't have the you know potentially they didn't their education finished when they were 15 and they didn't have the opportunity yeah. to do any more you know my uncle sort of moved to london to be my great uncle my uh, to, to move to london to work in menswear and i think sort of that was his way of getting out of yeah. you know getting away from not our family not at all that because i think everyone was always very understanding or at least i hope they were but, but yeah, a city where it's a little bit more easier to be. And you're anonymous. Oh, yeah. I think it's a lot of the reason yeah. that I, I really romanticised moving to London. And leaving my nan was one of the hardest things. I moved to London sort of 13 years ago. And I would go home all the time. It was to see mum. Yeah. But, you know, my God, now I'm like playing with fate. But like, you, you always knew that it was limited time with nan. Yeah, And hopefully with mum, it's not that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's... Um, I always knew that I wanted to, like, get as much as I could. Yeah. So whenever I would go home, I would sometimes drive to Portsmouth for the day and drive back, which would be, like, two hours there, two hours back, to spend, like, four hours with Nan. Wow. Just because I knew that it wasn't going to be forever. 
That's interesting to have that self-awareness, though, because some people just I was, don't want to see it. One of my best friends is an ex-girlfriend of mine who was my first ever girlfriend. So we were together from when we were like 21 till I was about 24. Mm. And so I'm 32 now. So we've been really good friends for much, much longer than we were a couple. And she said to me, I went to her when Nan died. I went to her house because I didn't know where to go. And um, she said, I remember when we were together, you waking up in the middle of the night and saying to me, one day Nan's going to die. And, wow. and she said, I, she said, I, she said, I've been dreading this for you for more than like 10 years. Because I just think I was, I sort of knew it would completely shift our family to a degree because she yeah. was this matriarch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was this woman that we all went to. And it sort of happened around a really... It was a really awful few months. So what it happened last year, so it's still all quite raw. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what happened was, so Nan had been on and off ill for a couple of years. And like I say, we had a couple of moments where we were, where we went to the bed and Nan went in hospital. She kept having like kidney problems, which mm. I think is really common in, in elderly people. And then all of a sudden, boom, she was back. And the our, our sort of GP that's looked after her for about 30 years probably more he was the person that spotted her cancer when he was a very young junior doctor wow he was like oh I'm not sure about this I'm going to definitely send you for a scan he was really young and he saved Nan's life and so we would always go to his GP surgery at Christmas and take him a really expensive bottle of whiskey (laughs) and be like thanks for saving Nan thanks for spotting it and he would always call our Wonder Woman he was like oh she's she's back she's fine and like they'd do loads of tests and be like no she's fine and so we had that for a couple of years and um and then she sort of slowly started getting worse. And then she went into hospital for sort of quite an extended period. And then she went into this sort of centre for old people that wasn't really a, a home, but it was a rehabilitation centre to get her back, right. back at walking and stuff because she mm. was in bed for a couple of months. And being as frail as she was and as little and as skinny as she was and having sort of so little muscle, a couple of months in bed, you know, it really took her a long time to yeah. get back to walking. And then during that time when she was in that rehabilitation centre, which would have been around April last year, um, my auntie, the one that told my nana was gay, that I'm enormously close to, her husband's diagnosed with um, stomach cancer and died five days later. Oh, my God. So it was really shocking. My uncle Brian, who was lovely, who was just a very kind, quiet, lovely, lovely man, um, who featured heavily in my childhood as sort of the uncle that you'd have that would come around and play with you. He was that one. He was brilliant. (laughs) And um, he, so he died really suddenly. So Nan was in hospital the whole time. And so he had these awful stomach pains, kept ignoring them, kept ignoring them, went to hospital. They said, they opened him up to sort of see if they could take anything out, closed him back up and said it's everywhere. (sighs) And then it was just like, it's just going to be pain management. And my cousin said, oh, well, what have we got, you know, a few months? And they were like, week. You were lucky. Wow. And so that was it. He was just, so he was poorly and then he was gone. God, that's so fast. And it was so, like, so little time for mm. my, my... For anyone to process what My aunt and my cousin to yeah. process, yeah. And so, and then three weeks later my nan died. Oh. So my auntie became a widow and a, um, a an orphan in a matter of weeks. So it was this really, so like my nan, my auntie sort of ran to my nan and I was there when she walked in and was like, oh, Nanny's gone, he's gone, and, like, you know, burst into tears. And it was, and then, like, she needed her mum to look after her, but Nan was, Nan was off. Oh, my God. And so, you know, she, and then, and then Nan said to mum, I'm, I, I want to go home. And my mum said, you, 
you can go home, but you know what will happen if you go home. And she said, yeah, I want to die at home. And so then my mum and my auntie took her home. And she was there for about a week, but no one wanted to leave her. So oh. they were just... So my nan had this like little flat that was hotter than the sun. <laughs> and gorgeous and like just, just so, and very nan. And smell of sultanas because she always baked. So my mum and my auntie stayed there. And then mum rang me and I was on tour. Oh, I was touring with um, Tom Allen, who's one of my best mates who I toured with last year. Um, we were in Manchester and Nan rang me and s- said, Suze, I think you're going to have to, if you want to see Nan, I think you're going to have to come home. Because I'd been home a lot to see her. Yeah. But she was like, it's happening. And I was meant to be going to MacFest that day. <gasps> And so I just rang Henry, he's a, really, he's a lovely friend, who runs it and said, I, I need to, I'm really sorry, I think I need to pull out of my show today. And he was like, go home, don't, why are you ringing me? Yeah, don't worry, yeah. just go. It's absolutely fine, don't worry about it. And so I just drove from Manchester down to Portsmouth, which took hours, and got there. And Nan was in her bed and she was still complimentous. And she went, oh, you're here. And I was like, yeah, I'm here. And then I sort of stayed with her for a few hours and then said to my mum and my auntie Jackie, go home, go home, I'll, I'll stay with her for a bit. So I stayed with her and I made her a sandwich and tried to encourage her to eat it and gave her some water and sat on her bed and then said, right now I'm going to go home. And so I went home. And the next day, mum and my auntie Jack went back up there, looked after her. And then again, I was like, right, I, I was filming the next day. And I mean, you mentioned at the top that I've just done my special, but last year it was it was the first thing I'd ever properly filmed. It was a TV show called Go 8-Bit, which is about uh, gaming. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was filming it the next day with Jonathan Ross, and so I was quite excited to go yeah, home and do exciting. it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to go and spend some time with Nan before I... Because I knew I was going to have to travel back to Portsmouth. Head back to London, rather. So I was in her little flat, and I said to my mum, like, go, go home, go home, like, I'll stay... I'll stay with Nan and I'll go straight to London straight from here. And I was like, right, I'll stay here for as late as I can, sort of thing. So I stayed until about nine-ish. And then I said, oh, Nan, I'm, I'm filming tomorrow. She's like, no, you're filming with Jonathan Ross. You're filming with Jonathan Ross tomorrow. He's and a I good said, Nan person as yeah, well. Yeah. She knows Darrow who he is. Breen's on it. Yeah, the Irish yeah, one. Yeah, I know yeah. the Irish one. And so I, a couple of years before Nan died, for Christmas, I made her a... Um, photo album that sort of tracked her life oh. so I found like the oldest photo I could of her and it went to Brody, who's my cousin's son oh, wow. and like all of us as kids and all of the holidays we had and all that stuff and so I um I got in bed with her and we sort of went through and she told me the stories I'd heard like a hundred times and um then I said no I've got to go I'm filming with Jonathan Ross tomorrow so I know you're filming with Jonathan <laughs> Ross tomorrow and um and I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go. And then we had this sort of, aw- not awkward, but this moment. And she went, you know I'm off, don't you? Oh. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I do. And she went, all right then, loves you. And I went, okay, loves you. And then I just got in my car and just cried all the way back to London. And then she passed away while I, while I was filming, while I was filming with Jonathan Ross. And so mum didn't tell me until she was like, Are you home? How did it go? I was like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, she's gone. And so, yeah, that was just over a year ago. Oh, so it's, st- it's still God. very raw, as you can hear. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I feel enormously amazing, lucky. Yeah, God. What? I am blown away by everybody's self-awareness. Like, she really knew what was happening. Which yeah. you That is very... I think that's rare in a, t- a case of someone that old. Yeah. Because often they are 
it's gone to their brain, something's happened yeah, to their mind. So they don't know what's going on. The fact that she was able to she turn still had to a you sense of humour, and say, which is the amazing yeah. thing. So she said to my so a few days before she died, she said to my auntie, "I can't feel my feet." My auntie went, "All right, well, I'll give him a rub." She went, "No, I think that means I'm dying." My auntie was like, "What?" She was like, "I think it's today." My auntie was like, "I don't think it comes from. I don't think it starts at your feet." <laughs> And I was like, oh, I don't know. Anyway, then my auntie Jackie went, I'm going to make a cup of tea. So she made a cup of tea, came back in her room and said to my nan, dead yet? <laughs> my nan went, no, not yet. <laughs> it was like, there was this weird sort of gallows humour wow. of like, everyone yeah. was so aware of it. And I think because my uncle had died yeah. just weeks before and he was, you know, he was 72, which is young considering that my yeah. nan was 95. Yeah, yeah. And he felt young. Yeah, so I guess you've got those two extremes of like, that's, so sudden and out of the blue and everyone's reading from that and then this person who's lived such a full long life I mean yeah she was born like eight years after the Titanic sank (laughs) I mean it's and then to like I think I mean we talked about this on the show before about like good deaths like that sounds like a good death. I think that was. I think that she was at home. She was at her family people came she had a week to say goodbye yep she was very um, very calm like when I when I was going through the photo album with her, like I got in bed with her and had a little cuddle with her. And it's like, I don't think many people have that. No, that, trust me, someone yeah. with a grandmother. No. Like I was so lucky yeah. to have that and to know that she knew me. Yeah. She knew who I really am. She knew that I was Yeah, you did gay have and that, that distant I was, relationship. Yeah, and like, that I was oh, okay. out and that she wasn't ashamed of it and she didn't care and... She really loved you for who. Just yeah, who and you she were. was, you know, she was. She didn't really understand stand up, like many. Like she was like lovely that I'm doing it, but she was like, what a weird thing to do. Yeah, yeah which it sure, is. Yeah. It is. Let's be honest. It really is. Yeah, it's an. Un- it's it's a an unusual. Yeah, yeah, it's an unusual yeah. calling, and um, it's a difficult one to explain to friends when you pop into the high street. That's what I think. Yeah, when they say to you, "What you do? What's Susie doing?" Oh yeah, it's hard for her to say. She's working in Woolworths. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. She's doing. Oh, how do I say it? Like, yeah. yeah. But she was, she was very proud, and she would like keep little scraps of me in the local paper and stuff. During this time, I had a breakup. Oh God! So the day after Nan died, Jesus. my ex and I broke up. The day after. Yeah. Do you think it was affected by that? Do you think that you were in a place of oh, such vulnerability? I think that it was coming. Yeah, and, but until it just kind of went right. And I and I wish that. Oh, I, 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 it was coming, and I, and I wish that it didn't happen then because I already had enough to deal with. Yeah. But it was just when it happened, and so I. But then I think that once Nana died, I was like, "Well, it's, I can survive her dying. I can survive yeah, my yeah. heart being broken. My heart's broken in so many ways already. Yeah. It's just going to get broken a bit more. That's and what so, I think is interesting because it's like when someone dies, and you're so close to seeing the truth of what this life is yeah that anything that's not truthful suddenly seems really weird like a a relationship that's not working is like what is this yeah and you know it's really changed my i think losing nan and and really reflecting a lot this year about what is important Mm. it's really changed what i'm like what i'm like what i began like looking for in not even like a partner but in like my friendships as well like i've I've got a girlfriend now who's amazing and um just like people having like showing extreme kindness has become in my friendship groups and my girlfriend and and different people of just being so like 
I, I don't know, just that has become... Like, because my nan was so kind and so nice and so lovely to, to me. And, I mean, she would definitely have opinions about other people that lived in the block. <laughs> and she would love to let you know about them. But, um, but yeah, I think it really, it sort of, it, it has shifted me. Yeah. Somewhat. And you really, like, appreciate things. Like, Jenny Bede, mutual friend of ours. <laughs> she and I hadn't lived together very much, for very long when nan died. We'd lived together for maybe six months. And we were friends, but we weren't best mates like we are now yeah. and just one night I just couldn't stop crying and so I just went and got in her bed and she was just so I was I went to her room and I was like I'm, I just I don't know what to do I can't stop crying she was like okay well do you want to I'll come and watch telly with you and you just you begin to notice things yeah. like that that I I maybe took for granted before yeah. or I didn't realize and I think you know feeling that sort of impact of grief in such a huge way just made me and hopefully made me kinder and made me yeah and so then we then we had to do like the then the council gave us uh five days to get her out of her flat that she lived in for 25 years you're joking which i understand other people needed council flats but would have loved a, a week and a bit so then five days yeah so now there's not enough time to organize buddy funeral and send the invitations out organized it mate no shut up she of course she did of course she did. She'd got her mate sorted already. She'd paid for the paper that it was the stuff was going to be printed on. She'd paid for all of it. Paid for her casket, what kind of casket she wanted, where she wanted it. Oh my god. Where she wanted us and I'm ashes scattered. I'm absolutely blown away by this woman. She's, She's fucking awesome. rocks. So she'd sort has she sort that before like long before like long 10 before, years yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, I know this lady. She's like yeah. don't want anyone bothering. Exactly that. Don't want any fuss. Yep. I've sorted it. No, nope, yep. done. Yeah. Yeah. All we had to do was choose the songs. Wow, why yeah. did she choose the songs? Was that not fast? I don't know. She wanted you, think, perhaps she wanted you guys to have something to do. Yeah, <laughs> which was Pal of My Cradle Days, which is a really old song from wow. like the 20s, oh my God. which was like one of her favourite songs. Um, my Nan Loved Queen. <laughs> oh my God. So we had um, You're My Best Friend. Classic. Fucking love Great that song. Great song. Great song. And uh, Rod Stewart singing A Nightingale Sang in Barclay Square. Oh. Um, Nan would have loved them. Great, great choice of songs. I did the um, eulogy. eulogy. Oh, wow. How was that? Was it like... Quite hard. Hard, but did you get in... Because a lot of performers do eulogies. Mm, did you yeah. kind of go into that automatic, I do know how to talk? To a degree, yeah. yeah. To a degree. And, I mean, I think the thing is as well is that my Nan was quite sure about heaven. Right. W- w- didn't go to church, but would say her <laughs> prayers every night. So done. Didn't really... Deal done. I don't think she really liked the organised I- idea of church. And she yeah. didn't... You know, there are a lot of people that go to church that don't live a very sort of kind life. Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah. I guess my nan would have classed herself to be a Christian, but she would go to bed every night and she would say, I've said my prayers for you. And I think that for my nan, I remember her telling me about um, the war and about when Gramps came back, he came, he was in France when the war ended, and so he got he got on a boat, and he was working in Nan was working in um, a factory at the time. She worked in factories all of her life, and the head of the factory, like you know, they had announced that the, the war had ended a couple of days ago, and Gramps was coming back on this boat with loads of men from Portsmouth, and the guy that um, owned the factory, the manager of the factory, went over like called the over the town I said anyone whose husband's coming in on this boat on this ship they're earlier than we thought you can leave now and go down to the port so my nan went down to the port and um, 
was like going through in her like overalls from the thing yeah. and looking for gramps and then they sort of ran to each other oh. and he picked her up and spun around and my nan always said oh we had a hollywood moment we had a hollywood moment and i think my nan was so sure that was about to happen yeah she was so sure that he was waiting oh. and that her brothers and sisters and her nan and she kept seeing him in dreams and that kept oh. confirming it to her and she was like, i'm just ready to see gramps oh, and so i think there was there was a real, you know. Yeah, that's why she was so at peace with I it. I think so. Because she really, I think so. she, in she her was, world, was going to see him. Yeah, I think so. And who uh, the fuck knows if she did? Exactly. Not and we and don't I know. would just sooner think that she did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she. So then we just like, and then we, and then we just had a house, just a lot, just of, of stuff. Yeah. And she wasn't a hoarder or anything. No, she was it's just life, just a life. Just like, like so, like photos and yeah. like, I like. So I would send Nan postcards from wherever I was gigging. So she had postcards from like Birmingham <laughs> and stuff like sometimes, sometimes abroad, but generally yeah, yeah. Birmingham. <laughs> Being <laughs> not, in Birmingham. But not every week, but maybe once a month I'd send her a postcard oh, and she had all of them. She kept them all. And that's, a, that's I've been doing stand-up nearly a decade. <laughs> that's a decade of like, but how amazing I'm in you? York. <laughs> like, like, so I'm in Newcastle. Gig was okay last night, hoping for a better one tonight. Like... And she sent me letters as well. Aww. And so I've got all these letters of like, it's really weird actually. I'm, I'm not sure really. I, I'm not Christian. I don't, and I'm not into organised religion at all. I love, I'm sort of spiritual to a degree. I like yeah. to think there's something. I think that maybe thinking that we are it is small minded. I think there's so much that we don't understand that. And the day after she died, I very morbidly. Uh, went through all of the letters that she'd ever. Of course, of course. Why, why wouldn't you? You want to dig. You want to dig that scab a little bit. Of course. Get that. And I a bit found deeper. one that was from about. Well, it was from when I used to live with my friend Rachel, which is about six years ago. Because in it, she said, "How's Rachel?" <laughs> so I must have been living with Rachel, and I opened it up, and a tenor fell out. Wow. And I know that when I was living with Rachel, I would have needed that tenor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It was just like, and I'm not saying that my dad Nan put a thing in my card, <laughs> but it was just sort of this weird thing of like, oh, all right, thanks, okay. Nan. Thanks, Nan. Thanks, Nan. Thanks, Nan. It's a real Nan thing to do, though, isn't it? Give you a little tenor. Oh, my God. I think so that'll frequent. copy you for a week in London. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but my, when I told Rachel that Nan had passed away, she went, oh, do you remember when she sent me a fiver in a birthday card? Oh. She, I was like, oh, it's Rachel's birthday. We're all going out at the weekend. And so she's just like, Rachel, I heard it was your birthday. Have a drink on me with a fiver from my Nan. What just, a legend. So cute. so cute. So cute. So lovely. So wonderful. So lucky. I was so lucky to have her. So how did you... So you said you had that bit where you just you couldn't stop crying. And I guess... Is this your first big grief? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, first I guess big... so. Yeah, like my granddad died and I think that really affected me but like in a different way that I was like, everyone's going to die. Yeah, and you're young and so that and was more fear of people dying. Yeah. Um, I think, but I think my nan would be the, one of the closest people to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say so. And I was, I, was, I was very upset about my uncle dying but I was also, I was so sad for my auntie and my cousin that that yeah. was like for my cousin to lose her dad, who she was enormously close to, and he was just such a good guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for all that to come at once and a breakup. Yeah, it was like, a difficult time. That it sounds really difficult. Like, how how did you? Everyone copes very differently, but what was it that sort of dragged you through that that uh, process? Oh, I mean, it's so it cliche. <laughs> I wrote a show. You wrote a show. Of course, you did. People listen to the podcast know that what we do. Is we write shows. And That's, it's now on iPlay. <laughs> yeah, and it's now on iPlay. That is complete. It's, I think if you're not a performer and you've only just started listening, you might be like, That's weird. But, but I think literally probably, every episode is someone potentially going, help anyone of just like writing. Yeah, yeah. So you wrote so when did you start writing it? Um 
Which, like, I, the, the show was already happening because I was writing a show about class and about how I am from a very working-class family, but I live in a very middle-class life because yeah. I'm a comedian in London and, you know, my accent's sort of nowhere, really. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's... And, and I live sort of two worlds, I, I feel, and I straddle them. And does class really matter? And so I was writing a lot about that. And then all of a sudden, um, all of that happened... And the show changed. And I so I, the first gig back was maybe like four days after Nan died. And um, uh, and so I was... Also, my girlfriend had just moved out. And we were engaged. Like, it was a bit of, it was a bit more of a surprise for me. Yeah, yeah. And I think that she was, she was more uh, sure than I was at the time. Like, now I'm like, oh, yeah, it was clearly not a relationship that wasn't working. But for me at the time, I was still a bit like, oh, God, that's... Oh, right, okay, that's happening. And so um, I just got on stage and I started doing my material. And I went, my girlfriend, I was like, oh, no, she's not my girl. She's just broken up with me. Oh, and then, and also this has happened. And then I just sort of had this sort of quite cathartic gig and um, just sort of bared my soul a little bit, but still managed to be quite funny. <laughs> That's the goal, isn't it? And um, I came off stage and Daniel Kitson was hosting, who I love as a stand-up and who I don't know that well but is always very lovely to me and he came up to me and went oh Suze I'm, 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 I'm very sorry about, about, about what's happened but I mean give it a few months you're gonna have a cracking show <laughs> that is the most comedic <laughs> the response most comedic response although um, I would say amongst female comedians is that is a whenever someone says oh you know he broke up she broke up you're like are you doing Edinburgh next year? Yeah. Like, it's just like you instantly think, yeah. at least and you get was, show out But, but that made me laugh, Daniel yeah. being so honest about it. because it, and, it, and it is that thing with comedy, is that it is a real leveller. Mm. Because, you know, talking about, you know, like, I mean, it's the reason that this podcast is so brilliant and such a huge success and, and people love it so much is because, you know, it is sad, but it does have that element of humour and that is so linking. Yeah, it's so. Like, it? I, I remember texting you quite a lot when yeah, Nan died. Yeah. Like, you know, I listened to, I, I've listened to all of them, but like, you know, listening to the Mac, Mac Twins and Jack Rook and like just all the people that you did like quite early on in, yeah. the, in the podcast. I mean, and if you haven't listened to those guys, go back. They're <laughs> bloody great. Because um, I travel to gigs by myself all the time, so I'm always yeah. in the car, so you're often my <laughs> company. Um, and... It is so reassuring. Like, you know, because especially like listening to people that have lost parents or siblings or, you know, and, and, you know, I always knew that I was going to be okay with Nan. And, and there is a real comfort in, like, it was, it's the right... Yeah, it happened it, at the right time. And it's, yeah. you know, she's the, the, you know, it's the, she's the old eldest and it's, yeah. it's happened in the right order. Yeah, God, yeah. You know, and I feel very, very lucky for that. Um, and it is just that thing of, like, listening to other people saying... It was awful and I couldn't breathe. And then slowly I started breathing and I was all right. And I remember my, um, I remember a really good friend of mine who's a comic. I remember when it, when the breakup stuff was happening as well. And this is, you know, this sort of, you know, works for grief as well. He said, oh God, I remember there being a time when I thought, I don't know how I'm ever going to not be sad. Mm. And he, he had to move out of the place that he was living in. And um, he went into the, the room that was their bedroom and was like, this is it, This is it's all over, it's all over. And he was really heartbroken about it. And he said, I don't know how I'm ever going to feel like me again. And then he was like, and then one day I just did. Yeah. And that will happen to you as well. And it was all around this time. And I really held on to that, mm. that eventually I was just going to feel like me again. And I think that came back during Edinburgh. Yeah. I had, 
you know, I enjoyed the show and I liked talking about Nan and I felt like in some way I was saying her on stage was like honouring her somewhere, like she existed. Yeah, and, I, and keeping her present. I think that's the other thing. Yeah. The other reason performers do do shows is if you're talking about them, well, hey, it doesn't take a psychologist to also work out what I do the podcast. Yeah. If you're talking about them, they're still here. In it's, some way you know they're still thing? here. I think it's from a play, but it's this idea that you die twice. Oh, yeah, once... Um, so, yeah, we die the first time you die and then the second time you die when people stop talking about you. I yeah. can't remember you, the last person. Yeah, the last person to say your name. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just sort of loved the idea of going on stage and, and talk because the, the show became a, partly about my anxiety and that my nan would be who I would go to. Yeah, She yeah. was, because she didn't, we didn't have the word anxiety. That wasn't in our yeah, vocabulary. Yeah. Um, my nan would say that I suffered with my nerves. <laughs> My mum's like, is a bit of a warrior. Yeah, a bit of a warrior. Bit of a warrior. Yeah. 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 Oh, she's got. Oh, Sue's. Oh, she suffers with her nerves. Chronic. <laughs> oh, honestly, I do feel bless her out. And so, my nerves were bad because Nan died, and so yeah. of course I didn't have Nan to talk to. And so, it was. Um, it was um, dealing with, with that. Yeah, but it's such a like you said. It's so interesting to talk to someone who. It happened in commas, in the right way. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, she was in her 90s. Yeah. She had got you through to adulthood. Yeah. And so then when you... To be 32 and lose your nan. Yeah. Like, that's so... My, my cousin was 50 and yeah. she lost her nan. Like, that's amazing. It's amazing. My auntie's seven... Two of my aunties are in their 70s. Mum's in her 60s. Yeah. Like, to still have your mum around. Like, what a... What a blessing. And to have someone who, because you could have people around who you don't get on with. But to have yeah. someone that, like, is loved and, and is felt, part of the family... Bizarrely, I felt like sort of guilty in a way of like chatting to people that had lost parents oh, and yeah, stuff. Oh yeah, the hierarchy uh, of grief, which yeah, isn't true because yeah. you're grieving. That's yeah, the and just sort of going, well, no, I suppose you know, I, yeah, we are lucky. And but then, like my mum said to me, like you know, but yep, she was old. Yep, I wouldn't want her here as she was. That mm. became the sentence that we said every day. Yeah, we wouldn't want her here as she was. She it wasn't, wasn't right. Wouldn't, it wasn't right. Yeah, yeah. and the, the, those things that you say to <clears> reassure yourself. But then. Mum was like, I know it was her time and I know she was old, but she was my friend. Yeah. She was my best friend. Yeah. And, and I, I just really miss her. Hattie said that a lot in, in her episode because her mum was, oh, yeah. was elderly in birth. Yeah, nan child. Yeah. And she was saying, you know, it doesn't doesn't make it doesn't make it easier. And it's a bit like with heartbreak, like you know, and you'll you know, you'll have a friend who's gone out with someone for a month and they're in and they break up and they're in pieces. Yeah. And then someone else is like six years and like, yeah. Just happened. It happened, it came to the end of its so it's time isn't always it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always make logical sense. Yeah. Like just because someone was in night doesn't mean you're not sad, you haven't lost. And that I think person. because Nan stayed in tune with the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like her favourite programme was friends. <laughs> That's so good. She was so great. Who's her favourite character? Was she just like Chandler? Oh, she loved Chandler. What a legend! My favourite. Um, so legend. like you know she, well, just because he was funny, made yeah. her laugh. And so like she and like you know she loved the film Dirty Dancing. Uh, a great movie. It is. Me and your haven't gotten so well. That's my, one of my favourite films. She, she was great, mate. And she would have loved you. You'd have, she'd have invited oh. you round. There would have been bread pudding. Oh, she'd have made you a cup of tea. Lovely. I actually think Dirty Dance is an extremely progressive feminist movie and it doesn't get credit for it. So yeah. good on that. I mean, Penny. Oh, God, there's so right? much going on there. There's a lot happening, there's a lot of stories. So, um, yeah, you didn't have that sort of slow decline of a grandparent being like, oh, yeah, she's like, not she'd really... become, like, she, she, like, she might repeat herself a little bit. Yeah. We'd all heard the stories. <laughs> but we all sort of loved the stories yeah. about, you know, oh, God, yeah, we had to hide in the in the... In the shop front because of the bombs dropping and we had to do this. And 
you know, and heard, you know, all about what everyone did in the war. And, you know, my my, my nan's sister, my auntie Glad, was, um, she was like one of the phone girls, you know, putting oh, the different... Oh, yeah, the operators, yeah. yeah. But she was on roller skates. What? Because they'd have to go all the way over to put it in. <laughs> so she, they used to do it on roller skates. And it was like a big thing because it was the naval one. Oh, my God. And she had like secret phone calls that she had to do. That's amazing. So they were great stories. Those are great stories. Yeah. Um, why are you not writing the sitcom of Auntie Glad in the yeah, naval phone I know, operator? I know, I think I will at some point. Can I? Can yeah, I yes. I'll be too old to be Auntie Glad time it gets made, but I'll, yeah. You I'll could be it. like the strict woman. Sure. That works in there. That's yeah. like, Gladys, thank you. Enough, thank you, Gladys. Yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah. That's my oh, yeah, you've got it. <laughs> and I'll make sure it's quite a big part, mate. No worries. I'll be back. <laughs> she sounds, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the thing I guess that's important to remember. It doesn't matter the the pain of grief is the pain of someone not being there. Yes. And there's different pains. Like, obviously, losing a dad at 15 is different to the yeah. pain of losing a nan when, when she's 30. In, when she's yeah. 30. But I understand the pain of someone you want to be there not being there. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing that has been not hard. Um, no, it is hard. Like, but I've had a really, I've had probably my most successful work year ever. Yeah. And so my nan only ever knew me as a struggling comic. And I would love to have been able to... Like when I got the BBC special, I was in Germany with my mum and my auntie. Because we've started, we decided that we wanted to, well, no, I decided, we had to start doing new traditions. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we go, the three of us go away. So oh. they'd always wanted to go to Christmas markets. Oh, so I organised us to all go yeah. to some Christmas markets. Have some, have some, have some blue wine. Yeah, do you time. know, have, yeah. have some biscuits, have some vodkas, have a laugh. Yeah. And while I was out there, I, my agent rang me and was like, you've got life from the BBC. And mum, Mum, everyone's like, ah, let's have a drink, let's have a drink. So we all immediately went out and had a drink and, she, and mum just went, oh, I wish I could bring Nan. Yeah. And so I think that thing of, yeah. But then I think it's really interesting because it's very common. Yeah. It's very common for a big grief to happen and then life to go vroom. Yeah. And it's like, it's not like, it's not like, oh, good they died or. No, it's no. It's just like sometimes it's a bit like having a baby. It's just you know, a new focus something somehow. Goes, something in your brain changes that maybe needed to change yeah. and wasn't. Like you said, you couldn't see that relationship wasn't working, but it wasn't. Yeah. And you couldn't see perhaps what that show needed. It was this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And suddenly it makes you go vroom and you're like, oh, oh, okay, I kind of know what to do because I all the distractions are gone. I know what matters. Like I still have anxiety oh, <laughs> because yeah, sure. I've got anxiety. It doesn't walk away. Yeah. yeah. But I would say that I... I don't sweat the small stuff as much. Yeah, which is great. Which I think is, um, I mean, yeah, I like, you know, do you know what I do? I still worry about things like that happened 10 years ago when I embarrassed myself or when I said the wrong thing to someone or about sort of you know, human rights across the globe and like stuff like that. But like I've stopped worrying about work because mm. I'm like, it'll happen. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be funny enough. A group of people will like me enough yeah. so that I can carry on doing this for we, a bit. We've talked about a lot on the show, like this fearlessness you get after someone has died. Yeah. And it's actually, it's it's a really nice place to be in a weird way. Yeah. Even though you're going through this pain. And it's the same, you know, when you see someone who's had that incredible heartbreak and suddenly they, they look the best they've ever looked. Yeah, and you're like, oh. Like, everyone's all over them because they don't care. Don't give a shit. And mate. like, as humans, we're like, what is it you know that we don't? And it's like, yeah, I know that we're going to die. Yeah. And so I know that there's no point worrying about what's happening in this yeah. bar right now or who's the right person to talk to right now. Like, what's the I think f- that's exactly right. Like, and it's, I think and that's... And I think they, like, I'm a bit of a control freak and mm. I've had to just stop. Yeah, yeah. Because what can you do? 
Yeah. And that must happen with the baby as well, oh, that you're just like... Yeah, yeah, actually, massively. And I, again, suffer from anxiety, massive control issues. And death and birth force you to be like, you can't do anything. But, you know, you live this bubble of like, no, no, but if I touch all the corners and I do this <laughs> yeah. thing. And then I think when it's so in your face, you're like, oh, yeah, I can't. And it's you can't argue with it anymore. Like, you know, beforehand you can twist and turn and be like, yeah. no, there's something. When I there's just said. this little human going, I yeah. need you to do me. Yeah. You're like, yeah. yeah. Or like, she's gone. Yeah, so you just can't, that's it. Yeah. You can't hide from that fact. No, and I think that's... And I think that, you know, the way that I want to think about it, the way that I choose to, to, to feel about it, I guess, is I think that I was very lucky. Mm. That I had a lovely nan... And that I and she got to see me grow up, and she yeah. got to see me find out what I wanted to do with my life and be myself. Yeah, yeah. And I got to say goodbye to her. God, there's so and much. And she had a very dignified there. death. Oh, and I mean, so she, so so I said goodbye to her, all very emotional, drove back to London. Then when she actually died, so my aunt, my auntie, and my mum had been there continuously because they were so worried about her dying by herself. Yeah, continuously. And I think people have said this on the show before. And then. They both wanted, they were like, oh, let's go and have a shower. Because Nana had like one of those sit-down showers, oh, you know, yeah, like an yeah. old lady shower. And, um, or old man, that's a quality. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and so my, my auntie's sister-in-law, who's like a really good friend of the family, Frankie, she's, um, uh, I don't think she's a palliative care nurse, but she, she spends a lot of time with, with people that are very elderly. And um, my auntie rang her and said, let me in. And I'm exhausted. We just want to go and have a shower and have something to eat. Would you come and sit with mum? And Frankie said, oh, yeah, yeah, because she'd already offered a bunch of times, but they hadn't taken her up, and they are like, oh, yeah. So Frankie just drove over to my nan's flat, and, oh, yeah, 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 yeah go, go and have a couple of hours. Have Go and you know, have something to eat, have a shower, and then come back. You know, I'll stay with her as long as uh, until you're back. So they left, and she said that she put her hand on my nan's hand and went, she's gone, Joan, you can go. They've gone, Joan, you can go. And she said that she thinks by the time they'd gone down, she said her pulse slowed immediately from the front door was shut. Oh, my God. And by the time they'd got in the lift and got downstairs to get in their car, she was gone. <laughs> See, I, I, so many people have said that story. And, and often the living people are like, oh, I wasn't there. And I'm like, they didn't want you there. No. They didn't want you there. And, like, she knew... She knew Frankie and she knew that Frankie deals with people yeah, that are dead all the time. Exactly. Whereas my mum would have been like, ah, she's dead, yeah, it's happened, she's what dead. do we do now? And it gives Whereas them Frankie, a chance to breathe and then come back yeah, into the room. Frankie went. just immediately rang the coroner and yeah. knew exactly what to do and was like, okay, well, we need to move the body and we need yeah. to, you know, and, you know, lots of things happen to a body. And so, and, yeah. th and, that, and that was it. You, what? So what? she even had... Even that? I was like, she even that? She was like, don't worry, I'm on it. I'm on it, babes. Got it. Yeah, and she hadn't she hadn't spoken for like 24 hours wow. by this point. And she had was just very, and she kept doing the. Oh God, yeah. And the, then nothing. And then, there they go. No, they still hurt. They still hurt. Yeah. The rat or whatever they got. And then yeah. and then yeah, and then that was it. <laughs> Frankie just sort of said to her, "No, Jane, they've gone. You can you can go now. Just go." God, I mean that is, and I do feel I feel bad for the living because I understand that like oh I wasn't there, but now I've had a kid. I understand not wanting a kid to be in pain. 
Yeah, because totally. before I had before when I didn't have children, I just thought, oh, why wouldn't you? Do, like, I want to be in the room. Yeah, you should be here for me. But now you think, no, you just want to. You're always thinking about protecting them. Yeah, and if they don't have to see it, you're gonna. You're dying. You, it's happening. Yeah. So that means that when they come back in the room, she's dead. It's happened, and now that's a different thing they're dealing with rather yeah. than watching any pain or yeah, totally. any last minute struggles or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. God, do you believe in sort of ghosts and stuff? Do you do you believe in any? Because it's You're so not sure. hard. I'm not sure. I'm. I when Do I was, spooky things ever happen to you? They have, but like again, I. It's really hard. Like nearer when he died. Yeah. There was more spooky stuff, and then the, obviously it's been a long time. Yeah. So when he was still in the wardrobe. We see. Yeah, no <laughs> For anyone that hasn't not regular to listeners, episodes. you don't know what that means. <laughs> Listen in, catch on the back up. But yeah, like I was talking about this the other day actually to my mum. Some stuff's happened. I don't know if I've said this before. He worked from home, and my mum and dad's bedroom they had like a small, tiny room next to it, which was his office, and he would work all night, like all the constant yeah, self-employed yeah, yeah. man, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, time. my dad's the same. We know. Always working. So the, about the week after he died, I'd moved into my mum's bed. And I'd moved it, like, I just turned up and that was it. I stayed yeah. there for about six months. And we both woke up and heard the computer going, like the tapping. Tap, 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 tap. And she went, oh, he's working. And then we both went back to sleep. And in the morning we were like, what? <laughs> what? Like, we both heard it. And my mum says, yeah, he was definitely, fin- he was trying to finish some stuff off. But then... Nothing like that has happened for a very long time. Yeah. So I, it's not that I believe in ghosts, but I definitely believe that if you have a very strong energy and you die quite young as well, yeah. or, or your personality, or, you know, not even strong, just like, I don't know, like, feel like some people still have shit to do. Yeah. Sometimes people are done. They they sorted everything out. Yeah. Or they want to just tell someone something, like, or, you know. Yeah. I feel like that seems like energy, or, you know, for that's a physical fact energy doesn't die it just changes into other things yeah because I I, yeah because I would say that generally I'm a skeptic yeah I'm a bit yeah but um I had a sort of a a weird moment only maybe like three four months ago well I was in bed asleep uh my girlfriend was staying over she was asleep as well and um I was having this dream. So I know it was before anyone was like, mm, it was a dream. Um, so I was having this, uh, the listeners to this podcast aren't those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't worry. Uh, so I was having this dream where I was trying to get to Nan. And she was in Commercial Road, which is a big shopping road in Portsmouth. She was with her two sisters. And I was like, Nan, Nan, Auntie Glad, Auntie Bet. They couldn't hear me. And I was kept trying to get to them. And I was being held back. Wow. And that, But they were like, you know. 10 feet ahead of me, yeah, 20 feet ahead yeah. of me. So I, and so I woke, I sort of like was wriggling in my sleep. And then, you know, you have that moment between sleep and awake. Yeah, yeah. I heard my nan's voice and I th- it sounded like it was in my room saying, we've got to go, we've scared her. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. And then I just like woke both up right. And I was like, are you here? And then nothing. Wow. That's a good one. <laughs> like yeah, I was like, oh my god. Do you know what? I've always been scared of ghosts, and yeah. I've been left because I stay in like, like I've just been back from tour in Australia, yeah. and I was staying in like some weird ass motels. Yeah, and um, and I've always been really scared of yeah murderers, ghosts, murdering ghosts. Sure, all three, all three, totally with you. Yeah, and all of a sudden I was like, 
Ah, oh, if there is one, Nan will probably sort it out. It's fine. <laughs> Nan, of course she will. Keep an eye on. I've had this similar thing that I was in my own in the house once. It can't have been that long after he died. And something, I can't remember what happened, but I remember saying, look, if it's you, it's scary, so it needs to stop. And it stopped. And then I, cause I remember thinking, I'm too much of a scaredy cat. Yeah. So, like, I can't deal with it. Yeah, totally. I remember saying to Nan yeah. when Grampy died, I was like, I feel like Gramps, I feel, no, no, I said, I feel like someone's in my room. Yeah. I feel like there's always someone in my room. And I had this really big wardrobe that, like, what, that all my toys were in. It was oh, just yeah, like, you know, it wasn't a wardrobe, it was a cupboard. Oh, yeah. And all my toys were in there. And um, my dad used to always put this scary mask in there as a joke. Not and funny. Uh, not, not funny, funny, not funny. I'm he really was scared for you. Uh, absolutely awful. Oh, my dad owned a um, fancy dress shop when I was a kid. I'm scared already. <laughs> so it was, a, it was like a fancy dress head of, oh, a, of a drunk. And oh, it was awful. Uh, but very fun fancy dress shop. Um, but, um, so I was like always scared, always scared of every, everything yeah, you could think yeah. of I was scared of. And... Um, I said to Nan once, I was like, oh, I really feel like I'm being watched in my room. I hate sleeping in there. Had, like, we keep getting up when I was keep going up in the night and getting, getting in with mum and dad, being like, there's someone in my room, someone in my room. And Nan's like, it's just cramps. Like, that's not in my room. Like, <laughs> it's still scary. But I think that's really good what you said because you're all right now. Nan is watching. Nan's watching. Nan's going right. to sort it out. Oh, Susie, she sounds like an absolute. I'm not going to swear because she wouldn't like it. <laughs> An absolute legend. She, you know, she really was, and it's nice to be able to, you know, keep her, uh, keep her alive by talking about her. So thanks yeah. for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you to Nana Jane. Nan Jane, Nanny Nan Wells. Nanny Wells. You can follow Susie on Twitter at Susie Raffle or listen to her podcast Like Minded Friends with Tom Allen. And she's going to Edinburgh this year with her new show Nocturnal, which you can see every day at the Pleasance Courtyard at 9.45. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast or email us thegriefcast at gmail.com. Music was provided by the Glue Ensemble and the show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios. And remember, you are not alone. And stay cool. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com